Have you started it? I, I don't know how this one works. <laughs> oh, there it is. Yes. And just like 2020, it <laughs> arrives unbidden. <laughs> it's so true. It just happens. There, you know, you, you, you go to sleep one night and you wake up the next morning and it's a, it's a whole new year. Well, you, you go to sleep to gunfire in New Orleans. But anyway, that's, that's <laughs> Cor- for another corresponding, story. Corresponding uh, Morse code via an AK-47. Right. Yes. Well, welcome everyone to Why Aren't You Famous Season 3. I am your co-host, Ellen Cherry, with my other co- my co-host. I am your co-host, Andrew Grimm. And we are here today, privileged and honored to sit with Umar Khan, who is a Baltimore comedian, who's also a school psychologist, like fantastic hoodie chooser oh wow every time i see you in a hoodie it's amazing yeah i think i have a uniform (laughs) everyone tells me because i just wear hoodies and jeans every day so i think it's a good uniform oh thanks yeah i think it's a very it doesn't everyone just wear a hoodie and jeans like everyone that's what they wear i have a i have a great hoodie unless you're trying too hard to look cool you wear them well thank you welcome thanks thanks for having me it's a cool apartment Oh, thank you. Um, yes, we're sitting in my studio apartment. My yeah. fabulous studio apartment that I've packed with plants Ooh, for yeah, healthy like breathing. Like a plant. <laughs> I just moved in with my girlfriend. She's huge into plants. Oh, that's got to be a big change for you because in all the comedy that I've seen, you talk a lot about being single. I know. I'm so not, you are not single. I haven't been single for two years. Congratulations on thank moving you. in together. Yeah. What an exciting new adventure. It is nice. It's good. It's like the second time I've lived with a partner, um, but this time it's like, uh, it's a healthy relationship. <laughs> good. <laughs> so I'm probably less funny, but it's good. You're less funny in terms of like trying to, the pressure to entertain your living partner or? Well, yeah, I think comedy, like, you know, people say it's, um, I think comedy thrives in chaos and thrives in, um, mental illness so, <laughs> so i think like it's hard to write jokes when you're content right like i think comfort is the killer of creativity interesting and especially for comedians could it be that it then has to just become okay so you're comfortable on one level which means you have to dig a little bit deeper for your discomfort yeah, and yeah like yeah. i already have a lot of relationship jokes uh you know that some she's cool with some she's not and uh so it's it yeah so you you just have to dig deeper to find things when you're happy right yeah (laughs) which is nice but i don't know it's weird but it's so interesting that you use the word happy because like just a moment ago you actually said something about comfortable and that leads me to the idea of like isn't is the pursuit of happiness really what the goal is because happiness is so fleeting it can depend on if you got enough sleep yes but contentment and pursuing contentment in relationships can, I feel personally, lead to more success for friendships, co-working, all that kind of stuff. Oh, because you're not 100. looking for happiness because happiness is like, it's a chemistry experiment that is so based not in like actual relating to people. Yeah. I When I was like single and sad and, you know, you talk to other like single sad people a lot and like uh, one of my good friends, we started out as like dating You know, like we were dating for a little bit and then we're like, ah, let's just be friends. And it actually worked. You know, we were really good friends. And she shared this article with me about um, what to look for in a partner. And I think especially today, like we get so caught up in things that don't matter. Like we want like we want to have the best sex. Like we want to marry the person we're going to have the best sex with. And like that's not going to happen. And we want to marry the person who's like 
who like matches all our socio political ideologies. Like that's not gonna happen. But really, like they were like, just find like this article is saying like most of your life is gonna be chores and mundane things, <laughs> and you need to find someone that you can do that with, and it's not be miserable. So like they give an example of like if you're stuck in traffic. You want to be with someone who you don't mind stuck being stuck in traffic right. with. And I was like, wow. Like, I've never thought of a relationship that way. Like, because right. in my mind, and I think it had a lot to do with, like, movies and shit, is I grew up thinking, like, a relationship, yeah, like, has to be this person who is, like, uh, you know, like, I don't know, like, where, like, every moment is, like, an adventure and it's exciting right. and you Romance. just want to fuck all the time <laughs> everywhere and you're like, nah, you just want someone you can just laugh with, make dinner with, and like, uh, you know, like it's not not it's not gonna always be amazing and exciting, but like like what you said, it's just like you just like like I look at my girlfriend and all the time I think now I'm like, this is nice. Yeah. Like, this is really nice, you know, like and I think which is way different than my idea of what a relationship is is supposed to be right what or what it was you know and you're just yeah so well that concept of modern romance and love really is only about like people being in long-term relationships based on love is really only a couple of hundred years old before oh, that good point and very close to home because my parents had an arranged marriage yeah you were talking about and that they're, in your special they're yeah. uh they're you know they don't they laugh at like Americans and stuff when they think about like love marriages because for them like a marriage is a it's a a, a companionship right rather than like something with you do. goals a yeah. companionship with a goals family right. and spreading that family right I mean now like my parents are so sad because I totally fucked everything up by <laughs> being an atheist and rejecting their culture and way of life and you know, being with uh, an older white woman and uh, <laughs> not having kids right now. So, but yeah, like that's, that's their thing. Like they, and they're, very, it's very successful for them, you know? So that leads me, one of the reasons um, I wanted to talk to you, specifically you, Umar, is that we met originally at the Charm City Kitty Club anniversary show at the theater project several years ago you did a set and i also did a short set so this was probably like four years ago this is the first time i saw you perform i don't even know if i remember this so you were the mc for that oh show. the fringe fest i think it was at the fringe maybe yeah was it the fringe or was it it was like it's called nights on the fringe you're right it was fringe it was on charm city kitty club yeah i was like i don't know what that is if i've (laughs) ever performed for kids that would be terrible well it's a different type of kitty oh kitty not kitty kitty t-t-i-e so that's so funny because in my mind this whole time i've been thinking well we met at a queer event because the charm city kitty club is a queer event (laughs) and so i was like that's so interesting but you're right it was fringe it's a more accepting time everybody it's just it's the diversity it's it's a very non-binary type of <laughs> well, okay before we leave the love conversation i do want to talk a little bit about the fact that like on stage for the last couple of years i've been talking about how what an amazing time we live in now where the love story that all of us grew up with which is a very disneyified heteronormative uh-huh. um idea of romance geared to sell us misery basically yeah that if you are not experiencing this love story then you're probably you're left out and the fact that we live in this time now where all of these stories are starting to come to the forefront where your love story may be 
you know, the fact that you're a single parent and your love story is like the great love that you have as a parent for your child. Right. Yeah. um, Your love story can be a queer love story. Your love story can be a single person's love story being in love with themselves or um, being passionate. And it's like, this is very exciting to me because I feel like it makes love less exclusive. And the idea that what you're talking about, the pursuit of contentment means that we can encourage young people to start to see their their lifelong love affair as being one with themselves that they have from childhood that it's about acceptance and understanding your abilities your ability to explore the world and experiment and that if you have that love story with yourself you're not pursuing this extreme romance this ideal romance with somebody else that's going to lead to disappointment right yeah yeah i think that's a good way to put it and you have gotten like like through your experiences and i've seen you talk about this on stage is that it's very frustrating to be dating when you are pursuing that ideal and yes and technology is like it's not making that pro- i don't know if that's making that process any easier like we're we're sort of convinced because the the technology that you talk about specifically in some of your stand-up is right. using tinder and yeah, dating yeah. apps and those are so gamified oh, they yeah. are based on a serotonin uh, dopamine rush that you get from like getting a like basically or a match and it's basically like when a video game goes ka-ching yeah like the same thing happens when you do cocaine right i was just <laughs> gonna say it's like crack or drugs because and especially like with me so i can speak from my experience it's like and i'm like like kind of this like i'm a super extroverted person and also you have like just a glimpse of my past, like which is not gonna be a shock. Like I was terrible with women when I was young. I got no attention. I was this fat, hairy kid, awful like facial hair. I didn't know how to shave. And um, listeners, I would like to report that Umar's beard is very tidy. Thank you. Now I have a great beard. No head on my hair. No hair on my head, but that's fine. Uh, it just moved down. It just moved. I know it sucks being. That's why I don't believe in a god. It's like I'm so hairy. <laughs> I am so hairy everywhere where I don't want to be, except for the one I would kill to have hair on my head, but it's fine. Uh, but why does that have to do with like, so lead us down that path of like why that made you and why are you attributing that God, to like- Okay. If there is a God, then he's super cruel for making people that way. And, uh, but I'm going to lean more towards no nice person thing being would make someone that you know like hey here are things that society values and i'm gonna give you none of it uh so no but i shouldn't i still have limbs and so i get it's just a joke but uh um yeah so for me like tinder and all that stuff it was like it was like crack because like you're well one i was like barely getting any matches but two when you did like you're always just looking for the next best thing you're like this was a good high i want it i want it again because yeah that first time you meet someone and like, you know, that pursuit, like that's, that's awesome. It's exhilarating. Right. And like, that's what movies make you chase in movies. It's just like, like, you know, like everything we grew up on watching, like it, they always make it like, like the whole falling in love process, you know, Mm -hmm. they make it seem so exciting. And, uh, so I think with these apps, you can just like go on dates all the time and like, and so then you like if you always have this option like you you feel like you're always missing like you're like maybe maybe there's something better maybe i'm missing out but that's that it comes back to contentment because no matter how happy you are in a relationship and no matter how good someone is 
for you or with you or good you you guys are good together there's always something better out there there everyone can always do better but it's just like hey i'm content like i don't need you know to find someone else it's just like we can always be making more money yeah but you get comfortable and you know you're like fuck it i'm not working harder to make more money i pay my bills and I want to enjoy my life. Well, that's that, kind of like yeah. the that that's the whole pharmaceutical model of business. It's like they're going to keep you just sick enough that you're going to keep buying the same type of medications. Oh, yeah. And and I got bad news for you. I'm sure they've 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 done something for hair rest- rest- restoration, but so many people spend so much money on on those types of products that like you know they're not fully yeah, going to fix it. We're not going to give you the cure. Yeah. Oh my no. goodness gracious, we're making so much money hand over fist. And that's we... the same way, way with, with Tinder. They don't want people to be happy or or Match.com or anything like that. They want right. repeat business. They want oh, people. Yeah. To, you know. So I'm just saying. We'll talk about falling in love because I've been on tour with Andrew for the last three and a half weeks and he has a bit of banter that he talks about before he he introduces one of his songs about the concept of falling in love and that that hyper romanticized version of it is actually quite painful because if you think about falling yeah. and like the idea of choosing contentment I think can lead I mean, I'm talking, but I want you to talk about this okay. a little bit. <laughs> okay. But that content, the idea of pursuing contentment right. can lead us to walk slower into situations, to be yes. more thoughtful. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, falling is like you tripped and you fell. And sometimes, like... <laughs> right. Yeah, it's but out of your control. It's right. out of your control. And, and pursuit is, a, is control. You know, you, yeah. are, you are choosing to pursue. You have seen somebody, you've talked to somebody, something has sparked some sort of idea in you. And, and this kind of comes back to the idea of the, the theme for our podcast for this season is there's a curiosity, you know, clicks. And you're like, huh, I want to get to know this person a little bit more. I want to be in a situation where I'll, I want to be stuck in traffic with that person and find out if I actually can stand yeah. being in that traffic with that person. Or but, being in traffic by my with myself with that person. Sure. Like, can I be calm enough to be... Can I just be me? Can I just be myself yeah. in this moment? And, you know, I'm sorry I interrupted but that, that, the, the idea I've been thinking about with love, and rather than the idea of falling in love, is more of a, it's more of a controlled climb. Because being in love and being in a relationship is is hard work, and and I don't want to sound like you know parents saying like, well, you know, it's hard work, da da da. But the idea of being in love with that person is like you're climbing, you're not falling, you're climbing, you're trying to ascend somewhere, and then you you see that other person, they're climbing this almost the same rate as you are, mm-hmm. and you're like, I kind of like the way they're climbing, and you get closer to them, and you want to, you know, you start saying, well, their gear is pretty good, I like, you know what, I don't have, you know, I don't know. Um, a propane stove, but they do. Yeah. <laughs> and those types of metaphors and stuff, I think really works together because you're trying to reach an ascent of some yeah. sort. Don't you think a lot of this, what we're talking about, like a lot of it has to, like how old are you guys? I'm 44. Okay. 47. Don't you think a lot of it has to do with age? Like once you, like you get older, like mm-hmm. you, that's, I think like, it seems like you kind of, ha- do you think you have to go through that or we just go through that because that's the messages we're sent? Well, there's a really great book that I read that um, this woman, Gail Sheehy, wrote called Passages. And then she wrote um, other new passages. New passages. 
I know. I just think they're a great book. My dad handed, my dad read, bought this book in New York City in 1974, which was a year before I was born, and then handed it to me last year. And he's like, oh, I read this in the 70s. And yeah. it describes these basic cycles of life for, for most women and men that they're going through where you have these, um, and some people refer to them as like the return of Saturn, which is supposed to happen at your late 20s and then again in midlife and then again in older life. And a lot of them correlate with biological change. Sure. Right. So at the end of your 20s for women is the peak of your fertility. Yeah. And so your fertility starts to decline at like 27, 28. You guys become useless. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, exactly. We only had one and, use and, before and that. Now that we've recognized that, I'm muting her mic. My girlfriend's 39. I'm just kidding. Jesus. <laughs> Please don't blog about me. <laughs> but the idea, No, but it's true. Because that's part of the message too, that the, our, my uselessness after the age of 28, because I'm so well beyond that age yeah. now, is that like... I have to do things to maintain the illusion of my usefulness as a fertile person, like wear makeup, be fit, um, be a, like a perceive like or present my attractiveness, my usefulness, yeah. because I would still be perceived as being fertile and therefore useful to society. Whereas the most useful people in terms of like actual progress have to have wisdom. The only way that you can get wisdom is with experience. The only way you can get wisdom and experience is by aging. You have yeah. to age. You cannot have wisdom and experience at 20. You can have some ideas. You can have energy and physical strength. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you're not intelligent. Oh, we're all on social media. We can easily tell people in their 20s have no good ideas <laughs> it's pretty bad it's so bad but i also feel like being gentle with them and saying like it's not your fault because a lot of those a lot of like the we live in the age of information the 20th century yeah. and the 21st century are both ages of information and identity and so like before the 20s, 19, well, we're in the 20s again. Oh my Ooh. God, the 1920s. Before the 1920s, the idea of like your persona being an important part of your life was like, who cares who you right. are? It's what you're doing. You're just doing this. Okay, well, you're yeah. building a family or building a career or doing both or living in the world and, you know, it didn't yeah. matter. But kids that are in their 20s now are bombarded with just like this, the marketing age that youth opinion is valuable and it is valuable. I'm not going to say it's not valuable because obviously you have um, climate change um, activists like Destiny Watford, who's from Baltimore City and started the Free Your Voice group that um, fought the um, incinerator in Curtis Bay. Greta Thunberg, who started a global climate activist movement. Yeah. Those are people under the age of 20 who are doing that, who started these movements. And it's like, of course they have good ideas and of course they have intelligence the experience that you that the three of us are talking about is that to to understand how to move slowly with yourself and to understand contentment i do really think you need decades of time yeah you have to oh, have a lived experience for sure yeah yeah, yeah. and i think this is kind of like when you you know kind of getting close to my point with like the your theme of curiosity because when you sent me that email you know you're like think about this topic and yeah. most of the time like for the most part, like, comedians, like, you know, like, I don't think about shit when I'm on stage. Like, I just, you kind of, you really just are, especially, like, I'm only 10 years in, which is very new for a comedian. Yeah. But I'm getting, like, you know, you get better and better, hopefully. Some people, uh, most people will quit by the time they're at 10 years if you're not, like, doing comedy full time. But, like, um, it's interesting now, like, to do comedy in a time 
where I think like more voices than ever are being heard because of technology and there is a lot of good and bad for it but like recently like in in comedy like you know comedy I just feel like it got so huge in the last 10 years which is good but then the bad part is I think like a lot of people started like comedy was always this underground thing like this seedy dark thing that Mm -hmm. literally would happen in like basements and low ceiling comedy clubs and then it became so popular and uh and now everyone i feel like everyone wants to do comedy everyone like you know has their opinion on comedy and it's very interesting to see how young people young people's response to comedy today like and i know this point has been belabored by comics a lot but like i'm just so curious about like now like when i do comedy when you first start doing comedy you just throw whatever and you're like fuck it anything's a joke you don't think about it but now like i am so curious to see what people are willing to laugh at Mm. and that's how i approach comedy now like i want to see like if i'm in front of a group of liberals i want to like say shit that i know you disagree with but i want to be able to make you laugh and if i'm in front of like a group of conservatives it's the same thing like i just want to say stuff and see how far I can push that line. And uh, it's... That's that's like a a rich tradition. I mean, I feel like what you're talking about, the underground (laughs) sort of um, radical idea that... I think people think comedy, in my opinion, is just like getting up and making jokes and like observational humor. Sure. But I mean, I, that's, yeah, Seinfeld. It's like right. the curiosity thing. His the, the number one repeated phrase is, what's the deal? And that's all some dude being so mad and not understanding why certain things are certain ways, you know? Right. And, uh, yeah, so, you, yeah, I think you're right. It was the same thing with Andy Rooney. It was like, you ever notice that? Yeah. You know, that yeah. little catchphrase. But thinking about this also, like, when you're talking about, um, you know, the, the curiosity to see what, how the, somebody's going to react is also the curiosity of, like, how do we even re- relate to each other anymore? And that I'd never thought about this uh, with comedy. I think about it with music and literature and all that other stuff. Full disclosure, I taught high school English for 20 years, and I teach a, a composition class in, at a college. And it's like bragging, yeah. And uh, I have a master's, and I oh, love it. Yeah, yeah. adjuncting everybody. That's right. Let me tell you, that's where the pays big money the is. The big bills pays the same as being a comic. Um, oh yeah, dude. Boom. Probably uh, you probably get paid even. Uh, maybe a little more a little more yeah, yeah which is sad can you yeah. pay off me. a tooth because that's why yeah that's why, I got, that's that's why, why you're adjuncting that's why I'm in the spring it's for dental yeah. work to earn dental money work. for dental work yeah. god you should open up every lecture with that like the only reason <laughs> I'm here is to get a new tooth so I don't really give a fuck about what is about to happen yeah I can just start if you, yeah. if you, if you, if you staple a $50 bill to every paper yeah uh, but they're electronic well Venmo me your paper yeah Um, but uh, no, but, back, but back to the idea of like like connection though you have to wonder how comedy or how how i don't know if you have been thinking about this after 10 years you're looking at like what works and what doesn't work oh yeah but then the question is like well why doesn't that work anymore and how's that gonna because you have to start thinking predicting into the future yes uh, you know our comedians or our comics or our writers any artist has to be a bit of a futurist to see where things are going yeah, no, for sure. And that's why, like, comedy is almost like a... It's like a, a trick, you know? I think it's more of like a... That's why I call it... And Norm MacDonald says this, too, so I'm just stealing 
something from a smarter man uh, or better at comedy than I am is like uh, I think it's more of a craft than an art. Mm. So like you're really comedy is like it's like a it's almost like a parlor trick, right? Like you got to figure out a way to organize words in a certain way. So it's like an equation, craft, parlor trick or whatever. So you have, you know, you, you're just, it's like a, you're figuring out a way to elicit a response from an audience. Mm-hmm. And to, and so it used to be where you can just tell jokes and it didn't matter. It just has to be funny. But now because of just like the social movements we're having, like people want to know that you're a good person before you can get away with saying things, mm. right? Mm. So now we have to like figure out clever ways if we want to be a quote unquote edgy or whatever to so, show your empathy at the same time. So that's why you yeah. start. At, I start like every set with like, oh, I'm a school psychologist. I work with kids. I'm a good person. Blah blah blah. And then like, here's a Me Too joke. Oh, here's a joke about identity politics. Here's a joke of me making fun of people who complain about toxic masculinity. So it's like. You know, and then so you just like you have to like really toe this line of like, hey, I'm an asshole, but I'm like playful. Right. So whereas before, like even in 2010, when I started comedy, like you could say whatever you want on stage, like you could say anything on stage and no one was going to take your job from you or blog about you, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. I just think it's it's interesting. It's, It's very it's just it's so funny that like we're all like, you know, like all these like we're all just dancing around I don't know like we're we're trying to find very clever ways to just be funny in a world like today like because like dude like you know well, people, we're living a post irony and post truth like I'm, yeah I'm stealing from smarter people and sure. saying those things too that like <laughs> that's all life is <laughs> stealing yeah <laughs> stealing from other people is that the idea of if how do you how are you clever enough to elicit a humorous response, but also cutting enough to get to the point where you're actually asking somebody to think about what they've said or done and how they have behaved to, to personally reflect, like, have I done that? Have I, I know you're making a joke about this one thing, but have I actually said that to somebody? Have I actually yeah. acted that way? Because to me, comedy under the umbrella of performing arts, which I, I would put it in the artistic sure. practice because there's when I watch incredible comedians, like, and I, I am so impressed by what you do because the, and I do it a little bit of myself sometimes too. When I'm like, when I managed to like gear myself up to watch video of myself, I think, Oh, that was actually a clever moment. Maybe I should have left an extra beat for that second sentence I said, because I didn't actually trust the audience enough for there to be 10 people actually listening to the words that I said and internalizing it and having their thought process and then their reaction. But you are trying to push the by touching on subjects that are you know i guess the word taboo is not really appropriate but uncomfortable uncomfortable uncomfortable, yeah yeah. because shouldn't we be uncomfortable because we should be uncomfortable about so much stuff but marketing and capitalism makes us so like it lulls us into the sense that there is that the world is mostly comfortable for a, for a lot of us when in fact the oh, world is so right. uncomfortable for the majority of no, people yeah. and that we should be like every day not should be but wouldn't it be nice if every day the first thought in all of our brains was just like oh my god i slept indoors last night this is amazing yeah, i'm yeah. ahead of the curve that's so funny i just told a kid that today because he was like he lives in a rough neighborhood and he's you know he's like really worried about like all these shootings that he hears about on the news and i was like dude have you ever realized the news never 
ever tells you anything good that happens. Yeah. And I was like, name. I was like, I was like, dude, you woke up today. You had breakfast. You're at school. You have friends here. You know, like, all, like there's so many good things happen every day that like no one ever highlights for you. Right. You know? And it's, I think it's because we have a collective mental health issue. Sure. Which is that the news has been made very addictive and addicting. Um, it's also really, truly scary because like when you hear the th- when people in power are actually doing things that seem very contrary to the the religious ideals that they espouse, and yet they'll say, I believe this, but I'm actually going to act this way, and I'm a legislator, and I'm going to legislate against something that is actually supposedly like a yeah. Christian value. That's very confusing sure. to a person like me, and you think, this is fucked up, and this is totally contrary to what I thought it was going to be, and it's it's hard to wake up every day and think, like, well, I'm going to force myself to have a positive thought of, I, I slept indoors, and that's said as a 44 year old woman who has like been able, I slept indoors every day of my childhood. Yeah. I ate a meal every day of my childhood. Yeah. And when I, and I've been living in Baltimore city for 20 years around kids in my neighborhoods who that will never be their experience. Right. And how did they like, yeah, it's, that's what I, one of the things I love about living in Baltimore is if I have a, a bad day, I call it like the the humbler. Like I just go out on the street and I'm just like, oh my God, that person is experiencing yeah. joy. Yeah, is it nice to and, make your, oh, go, sorry, go ahead. No, just like to see somebody experiencing joy that I perceive um, might not have the same advantages that I do. And it really, I internalize it in a way that makes me think like, oh, okay, in this moment, I'm going to really just say like, Thank you, Universal Hum, yeah. for for providing me with the thing with the many many advantages that I have. Yeah, I think that's a lot. Why? Uh, I mean, this is gonna sound shitty, but I think it is a reason why a lot of white Americans <laughs> like traveling to third world countries is because I think it. Makes, it's like a reminder for them. <laughs> it's a reminder for them because they'll even say that like you come back, you just you're just like what? It's just like did you? It's like well, first of all, you idiot, you live in, in Baltimore. Baltimore. Just walk Go around down your the fucking street, and you're like, yo, you meet so many interesting people in India, and it's like really because I'll show you a 65 year old man who's never left the city. That's that's fucking so interesting. interesting yeah, you know? call it a shamecation. Yeah, yeah, and so it is very interesting. Like, like it has to happen. Like, but. So, but yeah, like with comedy, it's, it's so funny too, because I think like, I don't see comedy as like a causal, like, I don't think comedy has a causal relationship with the world. Like, I don't think comedy causes anything to happen, but I think people right now are acting like comedy has so much influence when I think comedy is almost always a a reaction or a reflection on the world. Mm -hmm. And so... When a comedian goes up and says some fucked up things, I think it's just like this comedian like trying to point out like, hey, this is a thing that exists in the world. And mm. and I think people forget that like and I understand why like everyone has different sensibilities and all that. Like I'm fine. Like I don't think you're wrong to be offended by jokes because we say f- terrible things and <laughs> some people get offended and that's OK. But I think it's. But is the point of life to go through life not being offended? No. Because then you're not being challenged by anything. I know, but I, you, dude, this is just, I, like, I just have friends who, dude, I, I, like, I don't know if you guys knew the whole SNL controversy recently. Saturday Night Live? Yeah. Oh, about the guy who, he had the tweet or something. Yeah, well, he had a pot, that guy's my friend. Yeah, he got hired and then they let him go. And I know him, 
What's his name? I don't want to say his name. Okay, gotcha. Because I don't. He doesn't need more bad. Gotcha. Press. I don't know the story. Okay, so there was a comedian yeah. on SNL. So this comedian. Yeah, well, season. so this comedian he got hired by SNL, mm-hmm. and now when you get hired, mm-hmm. people dig through your old tweets. They dig through your podcast. Surveillance and, tape. Huh? Yes. Sur- the surveillance tape. Yes. And he has a podcast that is a very offensive podcast, and it's. And the thing is, it's like the people who listen to the podcast know what they're getting into, right? So, like, we know they're being ironic. We know that they don't actually feel this way. But there is this subset of comedy where the funny thing is just saying things that are things you're not supposed to say. Right. That's funny in and of itself sometimes. And I can understand why some people don't agree with that. Um, But anyway, so he got hired to be on SNL, which was, it came out of nowhere because no one knew who this guy was. He's, he's only, he's 10 years into comedy like me. He started here, moved to Philly, then moved to New York. And, um, so he got hired. That must have felt like, oh my gosh, here we go. Yeah, I'm ready dude, for this it. This guy yeah. went from being broke to getting like a job where you're making like eight grand a week. Yeah. But as soon as they announced it, I remember seeing it, he shared it on Instagram and I jokingly sent him a text and I was like, hey man. You better delete all your podcasts, ha, ha, ha. And he just wrote ha, ha, back. And then within two hours, this guy published a blog that said, like, comedian using racist slur on podcast. And it's hard to defend the video that came out. It's him on his podcast. They're talking about Asians, like, and he used a derogatory word for Asian people. Yeah. And then they were making fun of, like, um, the food and, like, stuff like that. So... But it's like 30 seconds defining this guy's whole life. This is his introduction to the world. And then, I mean, for two weeks, the New York Times, BBC, like every fucking news outlet, NPR. I heard them talking about him on NPR in the morning on my way to work. And they're just calling him like a racist piece of shit. Like, and it's just like no one like reached out to this guy. No one... There's no nuance in the approach. So, like, you know, they're like, oh, look at this guy. He's like a conservative, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, he looks conservative. He kind of sounds like one He because he's he's from a like a blue collar town in Pennsylvania. He's from Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. It's like a small shitty town. Yeah, I've been through that. And I wouldn't say it's shitty, but yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll call it shitty. It's like a small shitty town. And like he's, you know, worked in factories growing right. up. His, his family's blue collar and... He's had humble beginnings. He's not like a white privileged, like in that regard. Like yeah. there's many forms of privilege, sure. but the media ran with it, and it was interesting to see like the response because two three weeks prior to that he had headlined my show in Baltimore at Joe Squared, and he did so well. And the audiences mixed old white black uh jew asian you know and he on stage is like a pretty thoughtful comic who just makes jokes at everyone's expense he makes fun of trump himself his dad he even has a joke where he's like hey wouldn't trump be like the funniest president ever to see get shot and it's and his he does an amazing impression but none of that stuff was picked up it's just this one 30 second clip Mm -hmm. to find this guy's whole existence yeah. And it's so I'm like so curious is like it's so weird. It's like like it's so because then like all these 
other people are tweeting about him. And then you go through their tweets. And it's like, well, here's a tweet from you when you use a derogatory slur. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, well, then they're like, well, I change. And it's like, well, how come <laughs> this guy doesn't get right. any room yeah. to change or explain himself? Or even it's to just, experiment. Well, or even to experiment. Yeah, and that's part of the problem where we are, too, with the, with our culture, that there's no there's no time for context. context. Yeah. We don't have time for context, context anymore yes. for this. And so let's go ahead and make our judgments and kind of run with it and then create the echo chamber that yeah. that, 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 that revolves around that stuff. And that's that's really wild. But the, um, yeah, but my, co- like, I guess like you guys can't because you're not comedians and comedians have this conversation probably every fucking time they're together and it is getting annoying <laughs> because I think, you know, there is like, there there it's definitely like there are gray areas. There's no right or wrong. But I guess like I'm just so... I get so curious as to why, like, um, uh, like why you, you know, like, it's weird because a comic, like the comics who come under fire for being offensive, it's not like they tell all these jokes that are innocuous up the middle. For the most part, if you're, if you tell like an off color joke, your other jokes are probably a little off color but then when it's a topic that pertains to you or close to home to you then you make a big deal out of it and then it goes from being jokes to hate speech but that's the thing that annoys me so much about this perception of like a joke being offensive but the supreme court or or the judiciary being totally reformed I know. in a like conservative evangelical Christian is not offensive to people who actually believe in real religious liberty. Uh, I like know. that's and and the separation between church and state and like this there's so much stuff that's actually offensive that I'm I like, know. but you're not offended by this thing. What? You're not offended by the president actually like admitting to sexual assault. That doesn't offend you, but this joke does offend but you. But I think they are mad and offended all that stuff, but this is the one area where because of Twitter, because of Facebook and all that, they have power and like this guy lost his job, yeah. you know, like no one, you know, like he probably lost his shot at mainstream show business yeah. forever. And I think like people have power in this area, whereas like right. Coca-Cola is like one of the worst companies in the world. In the world. And what they do everywhere is offensive. Yeah. Nestle is is privatizing, privatizing water. 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 <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is fucking insane dude the uh dupont uh they invented teflon right they were dumping the chemical that is involved in making teflon in water systems in the united states for years and they knew the whole time that it was toxic and it was gonna uh harm the environment and harm people and they did it they got caught they're still making billions of dollars and now that chemical is in every single person's blood in the world and will be in every single person's blood who is born. Right. I mean, but no one... But that's is not as vocal about that as they are about a comedian making yeah. off-color jokes. That's but that's a human. That's a very human thing to not to lack the long view. We are a reactionary species. We are sure. we are built to like the situation is that I'm in danger right now, and so my my parasympathetic system and my animal body is is meant to like is it, um <laughs> is meant to respond to like immediate stimuli whereas like thinking even in the long term of like well how is this affecting our 
species in 50 years yeah. is very hard to conceive. Well, I, I guess like, I guess I'm just so like, I always just wonder, I'm like, the people who say it's okay to laugh at this group of people, but not this group of people. Right. That is a weird thing to say. And I'm, it just baffles me. Like I, it really, I do not understand. Remember the, like the Charlie Hebdo thing that happened with oh, yeah. the, the cartoonist? I have a lot to say about well, you go ahead. <laughs> but just the concept of like that um, because a religion, um, as I understand it, and this is a very, very, um, I would say, naive understanding of the Islam idea that there's no sure. iconography in their religion. Yes, there is not. And so like the... I grew up Muslim, so... The, the concept of... Because when I was in Turkey twice, that's one Gross. of the... No, I'm <laughs> kidding. In the country of people. Turkey. <laughs> You know what? I, well, the only thing I have to say, one of the things I want to say about being um, spe- specifically in Izmir and Istanbul is that there's a lot of platonic affection between men. That oh, was so, yeah, they hold hands in public. It's wonderful. They walk down the streets holding pinkies, like in India and Pakistan. It's very, it's cool. It's very interesting because it makes me wonder what would that would be like if it was an American culture, the way men would relate to each other. That's a whole other podcast. Sure. And we actually are going to wrap up soon because oh, we want to. Yeah, no, no, I feel no. like this was all over the. I'm sorry. No, I'm, why are you apologizing? It was so always, good. Apologize the end of everyone's podcast. <laughs> if you could, if you could, just take a moment and apologize to our sponsors, Coca Cola, Nestle, and Dupont. Yeah, um, they, they've been they've been funding us. That's damn. It's yeah. uh, insane that you live in a studio, but they're your sponsors. <laughs> I live in affordable housing in Baltimore City, yeah. like this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I I don't even remember where I was going. I I think I wanted to. Um, I think I would like to take a few minutes just for you to talk about yourself specifically. Sure. What Um, do you need to know? Well, you said you've been in comedy for 10 years. 10 years. And so how did you decide, like, what made you initially curious to start doing comedy? Oh, God. Just the same. It's literally everyone starts comedy for the same goddamn reason. You go to a show, you see people on stage, and you're like, I'm funnier than that person. So it's like competitiveness. Yeah. We all think we're funny. Like, every human... I think comedy is one of the least respected things in the world in the sense that everyone thinks they can do it. It's so right. like music blows my mind. I, I try to play guitar. I'm so bad. My bucket list is to just do one performance in a band. Just one. Mo- and it's funny because so many people's bucket list is to do comedy and like. I think music and people are always like, oh, I could never do what you do. It's like, well, you're not like a narcissist like I am, you know, <laughs> like it's easy for me to get up on stage in front of people. It takes nothing because like I think I should be on stage. I should be. I don't actually feel that confident in and that, I don't but think like, you're that's a, how it is. But yeah, but I, that doesn't make you a narcissist. I think that just makes you a confident person because if, uh, if you were confident well. and you were a dick to other people and you manipulated them emotionally and abused them, uh, then you would be a narcissist. Uh, well, I've been to therapy for a long time. If you talk to some ex-girlfriends, they might say that, but... Um, so you started because of a, yeah, a sense of like... Yeah, in high school, my buddy, he did a talent show in at the Catonsville Library. Oh. And it was like a variety show and there was like... There's like music and poetry. Like, and What's dance. up, Catonsville? It's Thursday night at six o'clock. Yeah, what? yeah what? exactly. And I saw him, and, and I'm like a, I was a class clown always, and I was like, dude, I want to do this. So I started writing down jokes, and then I showed up to an open mic, and I had no idea what comedy was. I wasn't a fan of comedy. I didn't know comedy. I couldn't name a comedian, and um, I showed up to an open mic, and I didn't know this about open mics. I didn't know that no one went to open mics. So I was like, fuck that. I'm not performing here. There's no one. There's only like 
three people here and they're like losers and there are the other comics who are adults you know who have nothing they don't have like a family so they're just like fuck it i'll go to an open mic night and like you know i didn't know that that's what comedy is and then and 10 years ago um, dear listeners was before everyone binged television you just yeah, watch television this was before podcasts so like Mark Marin didn't exist. So like you have no idea what like now everyone's so hip to comedy. Right. Like even like a lay person like who mildly is interested in comedy can like kind of break down like, oh, yeah, you do open mics then you do smaller shows then you move to New York, L.A., blah, blah, blah. But yeah. anyway, so it was like four years later that I didn't until I got on stage. So I was a senior in high school and I saw my friend and I made two attempts at open mics and I bailed. Then I met my friend. He used to do comedy. He was like, you sound like a comedian. You talk like one. You should do comedy. And he was just like, dude, do this open mic. So I did it. It went okay. And then I bombed for like three, four years after that. And then I found a way to be funny without being like so offensive and dirty. And um, So you were maturing though because you were probably, I mean, you were getting more experience as well. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's why I get so sensitive right now to like comics being attacked not attack that's like a stupid way to say it but just i don't know what the word is i don't well, want to no, hyperbolize well well you're talking about like i'm 44 andrew said he was 48 how old yeah, are you Imar? 31 so i'm young I'm not old like you assholes but <laughs> you know I'm young. how did you know i was an asshole I, I prefer seasoned <laughs> yeah i'm not seasoned but you got you got more hair you mm. look great thanks yeah um you're also like when you're talking about like oh with this pressure to be youthful that's like when like a uh, uh, skinny chick complains about being fat you know like everyone hates you it's just like like i mean i'm not that you don't try to be youthful but like you probably have to put way less energy into it than another 44 go look at the average 44 four year old they're not looking great stop trying to distract me from the next question sorry go ahead what was i saying um just the maturity yeah you mature and yeah you mature it's like with comedy it's so crazy like and a lot of these articles that were written like seven years ago about like like the rape jokes in comedy it's like you were at an open mic night these are people who don't know how to do comedy like i used to do rape jokes and i i cringe thinking about it it sucks i wish i never did do them but, but also there's... you had a period of time too when you weren't being um surveilled yeah at every show and that i think that was my point was that like when 10 years ago I, the previous 10 years people who started 10 years ago you would have had some of your adulthood before being on social media both andrew and i had full like yeah entrances into wow, adult so interesting that like the music that i was making in my 20s it may be on a cd somewhere but it wasn't all over social media yeah. and there wasn't video of me performing when i first started playing guitar at 20 or 21 when wow. i wasn't very good you've only been playing since 20 i've been playing for 20 years Damn, and you're this good? Wow, that's hey, crazy. Thanks. I'm just going to keep <laughs> you here. Most people start at kids. As kids. 20 is old to pick up guitar. It is. Yeah. It is, it is old. Good for you, dude. Thanks. Thanks, dude. <laughs> but yeah, so you you know, you know get better and then you realize like... But oh. it wasn't documented and so there was no yeah. way... Like I didn't have to show... This is what's fascinating to me also about the arts. Like you're talking about a craftsperson and, and performing in the... And I consider comedy also performing art. Sure. In addition to having craft, you have to have technical skill and artistry to it because there's a live aspect of it that you have to be able yeah. to be quick thinking and witted and informed, um, full of observations. But that like when you're honing that, you're doing it in a private sphere and that 
now there's a lot of pressure to like everything has to be live streamed and the yeah, thing the and thing giving that, away for free the thing and that you're creating yeah the thing that you're creating is actually being created right in front of people which means that you don't actually have the chance to like like a ballerina or a ballet dancer practicing in front of the mirror making mistake after yeah. mistake after mistake after mistake well, now people are also they go out of their way to listen to stuff that they know is going to offend them. Yeah. So you have to be so careful in your word choices and, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, like in how you present yourself and, and, and now you have to give away material. You have to put stuff on Instagram with captions for free. Like when I first started comedy, like everyone told you never release stuff for free, never right. give away, yep. never give away your jokes, never give away stuff for free. But now it's like, everything has to be free like honestly like i think like comedy is catching up to the music industry in terms of like you you know the music industry got hit by napster so they felt the they kind of felt the wrath of the internet way before comedy did well technology happened compression happened to music Yeah. yeah and so then you're like fuck it we're just gonna make money off merch and touring it's because we can't rely on cd sales anymore and that's that's like where comedy is going like comedy you know you would hope to work it happened first to music then yeah. to literature and now it's happening to other performative yeah. arts and you're noted yeah. and then so like for a long time the 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 thing with comedy was just get really funny move mm-hmm. to new york or la right get noticed yeah and you'll get stuff right that stuff you get like tv shows pilots uh, uh, you know, like holding deals where they're like, "Hey, we're gonna give you a hundred thousand dollars. Don't work for anyone else in the meantime. If we have something for you, we'll use you." All that's gone. Comedy specials, all that's gone. No mm-hmm. one watches HBO, Comedy Central. People are barely watching Netflix anymore. Those avenues are gone, and now the avenue right now is like the whole podcast, YouTube thing. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's so inundated. It's really tough to break into. And then like... Well, so that leads me to like... And honestly, I do want to like... Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's yeah, okay. yeah. Let's wrap up. It's, and it's not you. I love, I'm loving no, talking to you. Fine. I just want to make sure that we... We, keep, we can always do another episode. We can. We have that power. We, that's yeah, true. No, you know, I feel bad. You don't have to... Don't feel bad about all anything right. no, and don't apologize. I but I do want to... <laughs> well, don't. That's how all these podcasts yeah, end. Like, right. The guest is usually like, I, I, I can't take it anymore. I want you to talk briefly about something that we talked about before we started, which is that the economy of putting on a show like Umar Khan live in Baltimore, which you can, which um, listeners can go to Amazon and purchase. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I made a comedy special, uh, which is like, it's 45 minutes of my material and... Uh, it's professionally re- shot i mean oh it's yeah good, four yeah. cameras it's super professional it's like you know it was shot in a way where like it would be ready to put on netflix any like broadcast ready so hd right. all that shit and uh it you know it's like i just did it because like you know speaking of being content i'm cool with the way my comedy career is i'm never gonna move to new york or la i'm not chasing fame in any way whatsoever anymore because you kind of just realize like i'm not i'm not willing to sacrifice like the things you have to sacrifice like comfort love money all that shit privacy privacy like yeah i own a home here i make good money being a psychologist like i that you know i like that yeah so i was just like fuck it like but i want to document what i've been doing for like the last 10 years of my life so you know this material was probably like the last eight years of comedy because like the first two years was so garbage 
But um, yeah, so my buddy, he has a production company. He shot it for me, uh, you know, and so. But you paid for it. But I paid for it. Right. And so I put it on at the Creative Alliance, which is like a small black box theater. But it was nice. It's like 230 people. We sold it out. And um, I put it up on like Amazon and Vimeo for 10 bucks, which was a mistake now because just, you know, the whole idea here is you just got to get people to watch it because honestly, like comedy specials used to be a showcase of your talent. Right. Now they're commercials for you to get people to come to shows. And so it's really like the artistry in a comedy special isn't there as much as it used to be i think interesting um and so yeah like i i mean some people bought it not many people bought it and i was just like all right fuck it i'm just gonna put it up for free on youtube and hope that like people can spread it like it share it because sometimes like you know like i just want to get booked more in other cities and other clubs um and if people see stuff you know, there's a chance of like, hey, come come do my club or hey, come do my show in New York. Right. So that's just the goal behind. I just want people to see it. It's a lot of work. It takes a long time to develop 45 to an hour of material. And that took like, you know, the first special takes is the first 10 years of your career. Right. So like I just want to document it. And yeah, so if you want to watch it, you can watch it on YouTube it's called Umar Khan Live in Baltimore. Or if you want to pay for it, it's on Amazon. You can rent or buy it. Amazon takes half my money. So, you know, so what, what are you going to do? Do you want to pay Jeff Bezos five, yeah. <laughs> five bucks it's for it? It's on Vimeo. That goes all to me. Um, what have you got coming up, like, in February? Because sure, this is probably going to be up. Um, let's see. So I have a monthly occurring show uh, at Joe Squared. It's called Gin and Jokes. It's every... It's the every first Thursday of the month. Um, so that's going to be on February 6th. February 7, 8, and 9, I'll be featuring at the DC Comedy Loft. And then February 13th, 14th, 15th, I will be in St. Louis uh, featuring for the very funny Mark Norman. And then February 22nd, I will be at Positano's uh, in DC. And where is the best place to find your dates? Uh, just Tinder. my Instagram. What's Go your, ahead. yeah. I was going to say Tinder. <laughs> Tinder, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Uh, <clears throat> Yay, uh, Andrew, you made a joke. <laughs> my Instagram is uh, UmarKhan821. And tell people how to spell it because I misspelled your name. Oh, shit. It's uh, U-M-A-R-K-H-A-N-821. 821. Yeah, it's my birthday. Oh, good. Yeah. So happy birthday in August. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming and talking about yourself. Sure. Um, Thanks for having me. And I hope this you. was what you wanted. It's, it was, I wanted to see you and like hang okay. out with you again cool. and also to have a conversation about, because uh, I'm curious about other performing artists yeah. and, and people who write and people who are curious about things that are different than that are than the things I'm interested in um and when I first met you I remember talking to you and thinking this guy is a full-time comedian and then you slipped in that you work with school kids yeah and I was just like this is fascinating I that's got to first of all be a rich like mine of material but also <laughs> you know yeah anyway so I'm really grateful that you came cool. by thanks, thanks for, for me guys. yeah this was thank fun. you that's great Okay, we're going to say goodbye. Okay, everyone say goodbye on one, two. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>
Cool.